Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us on this beautiful day. The sun's out. It's getting a little chilly. You're not sure if you should like have a jacket on or wear shorts in the afternoon. So I see some people rocking both at the same time. Like, never mind. We're just going to Let's say business up top. Part, no, it's not how it works. Just their haircut. Hey, I'm really glad you guys are here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us. Listen, if you're a first-time guest with us, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. Our mission here at City Church is to help people find their way to God from where they are. We do that by practicing the way of Jesus together here in Boulder. And so that means no matter where you're walking in, I desire simply to meet you where you are and help you take some next steps in your faith journey. So really glad that you're here, both in person and online. And we are today wrapping up a seven, actually eight-week series called Teach Us to Pray, walking through uh, Jesus' response to his apprentices, his disciples, when really the only time they ever asked him to teach them something. They said, hey, can you teach us to pray like you do? And then he walks them through what's often known as the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. So we've been walking through that over the last eight weeks. Today is the last installment on this series, and we start a brand new series next week called The Good Book, which I'm pumped about and uh, it's going to be a series on um, can we trust the Bible, um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in uh, the moments coming. Now, a couple of quick announcements for you. Today is also the kickoff of our—you can go back to the other slide. You guys are ahead of me already. Well done, Kat. The kickoff of our 24-7 prayer room here at City Church. Who's pumped about it? That's awesome. That's 50% of the room, which is appropriate because 50% of our church has signed up. Well done. So, Here's my pitch for you today. We are launching today. So we talked a lot about uh, in this series that prayer is more practice than theory. Dallas Willard said that if you want to learn to pray, you learn to pray by praying. As in, there's a lot that we can learn. We can spend eight weeks talking about how to pray, and that's great, and it's helpful, but it does us no good if we don't put it into practice. And so we are launching a 24-7 prayer room. This is the first time we've ever done it, the first time I've ever been a part of it personally in my life. If you want to hear more about the movement, it's super cool. You can pick up the book by Pete Gregg, um, Dirty Glory. It's an incredible book. But uh, the premise is this. Starting today at four o'clock, we launch a 24-7 prayer room for one week straight. So that means nonstop, night and day, every hour. We have people up here at this building praying for 168 hours straight. What you do is you go online. If you haven't already, you reserve a time slot for one hour. You can do more than that. Many of you already have. You can do back-to-back hours, however you want to do it. But a one-hour time slot, you show up here at 4 p.m. Or if you're like me, you grab those sweet 2 a.m. slots. You know what I'm talking about. You better watch out. They're getting taken. So if you want one, you got to jump in now. It's reverse psychology. You guys got that? I, I really will be here, too. But it's going to be great. So... Um, you walk in, there's a guide that walks you through an hour of prayer. For most of us, we talked about this, that I mean, you probably never prayed an hour in your entire life, at least not consciously. You know, you maybe fell asleep on God while you were talking to him or, or whatever, but an entire hour ded- dedicated to prayer sounds like a lot. 
but you have a guide that walks you through this room. It's really interactive, actually right on the other side of this back wall here. After the service, you can go check it out. It's already lit up. It's super cool. It's interactive. You're writing on the walls. You get to draw if you're artistic, or if you're like me, you can go see one of the pictures I drew. It's supposed to be a house, but it more, looks more like a fat arrow, but you know, it's got, it's got symbolism for me. And so you get to talk to God both, however you, you, you like to talk to God. So writing and verses and whatever comes to mind. And you go all the way around the room, not only praying for yourself, but praying for others and praying for our 10 uh, global partners and praying for the world and praying for others in this church and praying for your friends who are far from God. And then you take some time to reflect and listen. I mean, it's super cool. Our staff team, we sat in it on Thursday evening on the heels of this week, praying over you, praying over our church, praying over our city. And we all got done at the end of the hour saying, wow, it's already been an hour and we can't wait to keep doing this. So I would recommend, there's a good chance that if you've already got one time slot, you're going to get in there and wish you had another. So if you haven't already, we are currently at 50% of the room booked for the week. Again, it's 168 hours of nonstop prayer. City Church launched in March of 2019, so we're just over four years old. And to date, in this one week, starting today and moving through the week, if, if our church prays for 168 hours straight, that'll be more prayer that we've done collectively as a church than we have prayed together since we started four years ago. It's quite amazing. Almost uh, uh, three times as much prayer as we've done. Every week we gather for prayer at 945, and that's 15 minutes of prayer, which is awesome. But this will be more prayer in one week than we've done since the launch of City Church over, the, over four years. It's pretty amazing, right? It's amazing. And, and it's not, there's a couple of reasons we're doing this prayer room. One is, again, more practice than theory, that you and I get to get alone with God. And, and if you're in a city group, not only are we encouraging you to go by yourself, but your group is going to go together this week. And that's also cool to pray together, but there's a space of getting alone, getting quiet with God, making requests, believing that not only he hears our prayers, but his heart is inclined to answer them. That things will be different over the next seven days in your life, in your heart, in your home, on your street, in your dorm, in this city, in the West, in the world, because you and I take our request to God. James, the brother of Jesus, said that there's a lot of things that we don't have simply because we're not asking. And I've asked the question many times in my life since I started following Jesus at 15, how many things have not happened or are not happening simply because I have not asked? And so this is learning not, not just how to pray. This entire series is as a community. How, we, how do we become people of prayer? And if you're new to City Church or new-ish to City Church, listen, you're just as much invited into this as those that have been here for the last four years. But this is a massive, massive step for us. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, it's on our homepage. You can sign up with that link there. You're going to get a card on the way out with a QR code. You can sign up via that way. And there's plenty of slots still available for you. Again, 50% is full right now. Um, we're going to encourage you. If you've got one time slot, then maybe pick up another one. Um, and then if, if you've not already, then jump in. You can also go with a friend, um, however you, however you want to do it. Um, if you're going at night, we just, in the email, you get a response when you sign up, like, yo, here's how to get in, here's how to do things. If you sign up for like a nighttime kind of hour slot, we just ask that you pay attention and be careful to your surroundings and all of that, right? Like just coming here, lights are on, all of that. But just, just be careful during the nighttime hours, just rightfully so. Really excited for it, guys. It's going to be amazing. So um, can't wait to hear all the stories of how God's going to move in our community. Now, the next thing is at the end of the month, October 27th, we're having a Halloween community night. Who's pumped about it? Woo! Three of us still. I, man, let's go party. The three of us, we're going to lunch afterwards. We're hanging out. Halloween community night is awesome. Uh, Friday the 27th, 
6 to 8 p.m. So we throw these community nights periodically throughout the year, roughly quarterly, and they're, they're, they're intentionally geared at giving you a space to come and gather and connect in community, but also to invite your friends, maybe who would never go to church with you on a Sunday or go to a city group. It's like a third space. So normally, like, there's a, a local uh, bar and tap room down the street. We rent out that place, and we do free drinks on the house, and we gather together in that place and offer free child care so that you can come and connect in community and just experience this community and the love of God. This is that similar event, but because it's a little larger and because it involves a lot more families, it's going to be here at our church Friday the 27th, 6 to 8 p.m. So mark your calendars for it yourself. You're going to get an invite on the way out. The digital images on our, on our social media platforms, on our website, all of that stuff. But in addition, we want to encourage you to pay attention and use the invite. Say, hey, come with me. And look at the people around you in your life that just will join you for an evening of drinks and hanging out and, and a costume contest and all of that. And listen, if you're not like that big into costumes and all that, you can still come and not dress up, okay? It's not like you're excluded at the door, but at the same time, let me just tell you, there is an awesome costume contest with multiple layers, both for kids and adults and families and all of that, and you better come ready because my family's about to crush it, okay? It's coming. And my kids, I mean, they got it. Although, although the Hesslers are putting in a pretty good, they got this little, this little girl, she's four years old, and she's too cute. I think it's a cheating mechanism that they have. Like, she's so cute that they're just going to use her to kind of get in first place. I'm like, that's cheating. So we got to judge with and without Amberly anyway. Um, so if you're interested in uh, um, more information or even being a judge for, for, the, uh, for the Halloween community night, if you're kind of just one of those people who are gifted in judging others, you know what I'm talking about, um, then we have a spot for you. You're welcome. So um, we just, you know, don't be super grumpy or wear a mask so we don't know how grumpy you are. And then you get to judge the costume contest. So if you're interested in being a judge for the Halloween uh, community night, you can let us know on those connection cards. That little alphabet at the bottom, circle the letter J, and then put it in the boxes, and then we'll get you connected. Okay, you guys good? Tracking with me? Prayer room, everybody good for that? Yes, it's going to be amazing. Halloween community night, we're good? Inviting your friends, it's going to be amazing. Okay, well done. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. It's where we are today as we end this series and teach us to pray. Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus' response to the request from his disciples, his apprentices, his followers. Hey, teach us to pray like you do. And it's not because they hadn't prayed before. They grew up Jewish, and so they're very familiar with the idea of prayer. But they notice something in Jesus that looks very different than things that they've seen before. And so really the request is, hey, teach us to pray like you. And this is Jesus' response to that question. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or be set apart is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we also have forgive those who are our debtors or, or those that sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So we're landing on the last line of this prayer from Jesus. We walked through this whole thing over the last couple of weeks. You can pick it up on our podcast and our YouTube channel, starting from posture of, of, of knowing God as Father and really being convinced of the love that God has for you and how that changes how we pray, that who's on the other side of this conversation matters a lot, of who you're talking to will dictate how you pray. But then not stopping there, Jesus leads us into adoration, getting our hearts and minds off of our current circumstances and reality and back onto God and who he is and who he says that he is and what he can do and who he says that we are. And then he moves into this intercession or asking prayer for things to be on earth as, is, as it is in heaven and our families and our jobs and our relationships and our own hearts and minds in the world. 
This morning we spent some time, we prayed over Israel and Palestine and all the conflict going on there, right? Like on earth as it is in heaven prayers. God's agenda and God's rule and God's reign to be there. And then, and then it moves into the asking prayer of the things that you want to need. Give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about how amazing it is that Jesus would invite us to ask God to, to bend heaven and earth to change things in one sense these amazing large prayers that we get to ask, and then he also invites us to ask for something as simple as today's lunch and how God is massively big enough for our biggest and and intimidating requests and also so intimate and real that he cares about the simple needs of your daily life. And then he moves into a space of confession, which we we felt like last week is kind of like a a break check on the middle of a really nice ride through Jesus in this prayer is like, yeah, let's ask God for things, and he loves us, and it's awesome, and it's like, oh, and forgive us of our sins, and we're like, whoa, hold on. So we spent some time last week talking about how that actually leaves us in a space of joy and receiving forgiveness, that God's greatest gift to us and our greatest need are indeed the same thing, forgiveness and his grace. And then Jesus ends the prayer with lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then um, in the Greek, these words can be translated a little different, so I I gave you both versions. Let's go to the next slide here. Another way to translate this could be, lead us not into trials, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And so we see kind of this back and forth. These Greek words can be translated, and actually different translations that you pick up are going to be translated both of these ways. But I think it's important as we look at this last piece that Jesus is... James, the brother of Jesus, would even say it this way, that, that God's not going to lead you, like he's not tempting you to sin. He's not trying to see if he can get you to mess up. That, that's not God's posture. He'd never do that. And so it's not this, lead us not into temptation like God's trying to mess you up, but hey, God, keep us from trials, the heaviness of life. Like, like hey, God, don't put us to the test and deliver us from evil or the evil one. And I think both of those translations are fine because they can be one and the same. The evil that we experience in this world, both that's on the, the top of your Instagram feed and the top of the New York Times, and then the evil that's happening in secret that, that very few people are, are paying attention to, but maybe it's affected you individually or it's come out of you, whatever. All of those spaces, they both are birthed in evil and from the evil one that Jesus would talk about. We'll talk about it in a minute. But let me give you this word from Dallas Willard concerning uh, this passage. He says, this request from Jesus is not just for evasion of pain and of the things we don't like. Hey, like keep us from trials, like keep us from the hard stuff of life. Though it frankly is that. So just a very simple request is, God, like let, this, let life not be so hard. And over and over again this week, I've talked to people and like, life is hard and it's hard and it's hard and it's hard in different ways. He says that this passage expresses the understanding that we can't stand up under very much pressure and that it is not a good thing for us to suffer. This prayer that Jesus is teaching us, it's a vote of no confidence in our own abilities. It's God, I can't take, I can't take a lot of pressure. As the series of requests begins with the glorification of God, it ends with the acknowledgement of the feebleness of human beings. So, so as we end this, you're like, what is Jesus trying to get at here? It's kind of this invitation back into humility, that we've asked God for all these different needs, and it ends with, and I'm still in need. A vote of no confidence. God, I don't have it all together. Pride, that thing in us that says, I've got it. I've got it. 
uh, James and John, they, they were affectionately known in the scriptures in the New Testament, two of Jesus' followers as the sons of thunder, which I thought was like really cool, like a really cool name. Like if, you know, me, you, you and your bro, you have the dynamic duo, duo and you got a t-shirt with like the, the sons of thunder on it, which I'm like, man, what a, what a sweet title, except it was like not a, a compliment from Jesus, right? Like it was actually because they were like so hot-headed that like, you know, they roll into a town and Jesus gets rejected in this town. They're like, Jesus, you want us to call fire down from heaven? And he's like, what is wrong with you, right? Like, that's not, that's not what we're doing here. And so they get the title, Sons of Thunder, and then they have this one moment where they, when they ask Jesus, like, hey, when you set up your kingdom, can we have the chairs on your right and your left? It'd be awesome, right? Kind of, kind of that co-leading space with Jesus as you get all this figured out. And he's like, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you drink the cup that, that I'm going to drink? And what he's talking about is the suffering coming, that Jesus is going to die a brutal death on the cross for the sins of humanity and be buried and rise again. And Jesus says, can, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they're like, yeah, we got it. And he's like, you have no idea what you're asking for. Right? That pride, yeah, yeah, I, I got this. The suffering that's coming, I got it all. Right? That's the stuff that flips our world upside down. And Jesus teaches us over and over again, that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, that the first will be last. And so this is just an invitation to come back to God. And it's not, this, is not a, this is not a declaration of worthlessness. I don't want you to get that right. In no confidence, it's God, I can't handle that much pressure. I'm finite, and you're infinite. I'm limited, and you're unlimited. I'm broken, and you're whole. You're making me whole, but I can't do this without you. You guys are tracking with me? This is the space as Jesus ends the prayer is going back toward just a reality of life. Listen, the heaviness and the hardness of life, the reality of evil in the world and the, the wrestle with the evil one, the brokenness of our world and our own brokenness internally. And at the core of Jesus' teaching, as he's teaching us to pray, at the core of it all is this focus of restored relationship with God, where he is teaching us and we are learning to be dependent on God rather than on ourselves. And, but here's what's really cool, is it's not like giving up everything and asking God to do it all. Right? Sometimes we're like, go on a hike and my kids want me to carry them. I'm like, dude, your legs work just fine, <laughs> right? Like, I'm, I'm here to help and I'm here to coach you, but, but you got to put in some effort, right? We talked about it a lot, that God is not opposed to training, but trying. We're not trying to earn God's favor or his affection, but he also invites us to work it out with him. And so it's, so it's learning to be dependent on God rather than ourselves, but also in humility, alongside this relationship, we're becoming our true selves, that God is helping us to work out the truth from the lies, who we really are, what he really made us for, who he says that we are, and how we are to partner with him in the world around us, both in relationship with him, to make him known, and to know him. So this is incredible invitation. This entire scope of teach us to pray has been relational from the beginning. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father. So here, here we are, back again, Book ends, if you will, to this prayer, and Jesus brings us back to relationship. God, I need you, and I don't have it all together, and so help me out. Now, as we wrap this up, I've got to take us to another passage that I think reflects really helpfully the big idea here, and, he and here's why. Normally, my preference is to take a passage, and we can just sit in one passage and break it up verse by verse, which we've been doing with this prayer series the whole time. 
Uh, but today, I feel like there's a big idea that we need as we end the series, as well as we go into the prayer room. So I'm, I'm going to give you that transition today. So let's go to John 10. And this is going to kind of tie everything together as we end this series. This is Jesus' words in John 10 that might be familiar because we talk about it a lot. And again, he just say, hey, hey, keep us from trials and protect us from the evil one. So here we are. Jesus talking about uh, the devil or the adversary. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. C.S. Lewis says that every square inch of life that you and I experience, whether we're aware of it or not, is either claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. There is no neutral ground on this earth, including our hearts and minds. So the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came. And I I want you to pay attention. Every time Jesus makes a a declarative statement of the reason he's here, he's got a couple different ones. So you read through the scriptures together, and and Jesus says, I came. And it tells us the purpose for which he's here. And there's a couple different ones, but here's here's a big one. I came that they might go to church on Sundays. I came that they might read their Bibles a little more. I came that they would feel a little bit better about themselves after praying a prayer on a Tuesday. Right? I mean, you start feeling, what are the things that you think? Oh, Jesus came for this purpose. He says it right here. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I don't know your experience with Jesus. I don't know your experience with church. I don't know your experience with, you know, you might even call it religion or whatever. There's some people who claim to follow Jesus, and it seems that they have not yet received what Jesus came to give. You know what I'm talking about? I came to give people life, and life abundantly, and everybody's like, yeah, he's awesome. I love it. It's the best, right? And, and you're like, bro, what, like, what, what exactly are we talking about here? Is abundant life, does Jesus have a different definition? Is it grumpy abundant life? Is it religious abundant life? Like is it, you can't have any fun abundant life? Like which, which version of this are we talking about? Because I, I don't know about for me and you, but the world around us, we're actually talking about the definition of abundant life. I mean, it's gotta have a little bit of joy, right? It should probably be fun. There should maybe be a little bit of excitement. Jesus said, I came that they might have life, true life, and have it abundantly. And then Jesus uses this incredible phrase, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So the evidence of Jesus being the good shepherd, of of, of being the one who can actually provide the abundant life that he's talking about, is that he's going to lay his life down for you and I. Not, Not because you earn it, not because you deserve it, because of who he is. Because of who Jesus is, he makes a decision to step in and do something for you and I that we can't do for ourselves. He says, I came to give them abundant life. And we talked about it last week, that you and I, the only job description we have in this is in receiving it. So this abundant life, this, how John Mark Comer talks about it and Dallas Fuller talk about it, they talk about it as, as the life that is truly life, like to be completely and fully human as God described it, like your relationship, not that life is not hard, But there's a thriving, there's a joy, there's a wholeness, there's a completeness, there's a purpose. This is what Jesus came to do. And so it's interesting. I I want you to catch this vision from Jesus of abundant life for you and I that's found in relationship with God, made available through Jesus laying down his life. You guys tracking with me in all this, right? All tied into Jesus said, hey, we're going to pray to keep us from the hardness of life that we want to turn away from God and from the evil one. And Jesus says, yeah, that's a reality, but I came to give the opposite. 
So it's just lining up with that prayer. Now watch what Jesus says right before this statement. This is John 10, verses 3 and 4. He said, the sheep, he's talking about himself, hear his voice, the shepherd's voice, the sheep, you and me, which my kids like sheep, you know what I'm talking about? Like they're cute and fluffy for a time. Um, but in the scriptures, when we're compared, it's not exactly a compliment. Like sheep aren't, you know, the most awesome animals on the planet. Like little, anyway, we, you can figure that out on your own. But they're a little needy is all I'm saying, right? Like, so just All right, so the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. It's really personal. See, don't miss the relationship that Jesus is after. And he's just using this parable as, this, as an example of relationship. And he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. So, to follow Jesus, based on his little story here, helping people understand what he came to do, to follow Jesus is to be familiar with his voice, and to follow him or obey, which not everybody loves that word, but that's what we're after, to do the things that Jesus tells us to do. You see, when Jesus introduces prayer, he introduces it in the context of relationship. Relationship assumes that we talk to God. That's kind of a given. I think the struggle on the other side of it is it also assumes that God is talking to us. And that's what I want to end our time together talking about today. It's one of the most important things that you and I can do as followers of Jesus, according to Jesus, is to hear his voice, to learn to hear his voice. It's also one of the most difficult and maybe even painful things that people start to talk about. And there's a couple different reasons why. Because who hasn't in the room, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, cried out to God about something and received silence on the other side? Who, who hasn't been made sick watching someone claim to hear from God, but it's clearly attached to their own agenda and manipulated purposes? Who in the room hasn't been hurt by someone using the words of God, whether it's the written scriptures or, or they, you know, God told them or whatever? Who in the room hasn't been hurt by someone using the words of God to control or hurt and manipulate them? Who hasn't heard someone say, God told me, and then they follow it with something so massively ridiculous that you're like a thousand percent sure God did not say that, but because God said it, there's no convincing them otherwise. You know what I'm talking about? This, this hearing from God thing can be confusing. And so there's a practice uh, that we do often called listening prayer. So you're talking, again, if it's a relationship, it's assuming that it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue that you hear from God. But because of the abuse around it, because of the fear around it, because of the misuse, because of the confusion, and sometimes we, like, we don't know what to do with this conversation. And so one of those stations in the prayer room, as you end your time in that space, there's a space for listening prayer. And today I want to give you a very, very simple framework in order to help you do this. Now, if you want some more of it, we did a Holy Spirit series last year in the fall. You can pick it up on our podcast and our YouTube channel. We talked a lot about this conversation. Today, I'm just giving you the, the Cliff Notes version to equip you in this prayer room time as well as uh, um, maybe just a little bit throughout your week. I told you about Pete Gregg, and he wrote that book, Dirty Glory. He also wrote a book, Hearing God, and it's a, it's a great little book, um, Hearing God for like normal people, and it's a, it's a solid book. I really like that dude. Um, but here's, here's one of the quotes from his book. He says that God speaks to us through his word and his whisper. How do we hear from God? God speaks, speaks to us through his word 
and his whisper. And we're gonna talk about that for just a moment today. Again, if Jesus is saying that this, this access into abundant life is that his sheep know his voice and they follow him, that he goes before them and he's leading them and they're following. Well, what does that actually look like? And how do we stay within lanes that are safe and not lead to abuse, but also how do we not limit God in such a way that, that he can't ever say anything specific to us or we're so frozen by it that we can't do anything with it? For perspective, I feel like in 2016, God told us to move to Boulder and start a church, a life-giving church in the city for people who don't go to church. I didn't find a verse for that. So how do, how do you know? You know what, at the end of the day, I'm glad I listened to God. I'm glad my wife and I leaned in and said, you know what, this is from God. But also, it's kind of a big deal, right? So in some ways, you look at stories, and you're like, yeah, like, we, we can hear from God, and it, and it influences how we live, and it can be for good. But then there's the other side, you're like, oh, man, what do we do with that? Is it, is it only big decisions, and how do we know? So God speaks to us through his word and his whisper. I, I told you, next week, we start a brand new series called The Good Book. And that's just a, a, a little bit of a kick towards a series on the Bible or the scriptures. And I, let me just give you the big premise of the entire series, is that we don't trust in Jesus because of the Bible. We trust the Bible because of Jesus. And, it's, and listen, it's meant to meet you where you are. It's meant to meet the skeptic in the room, the skeptic in my own heart. Can we trust the Bible and can we rely on the scriptures in order to help us live the life that, that Jesus is calling us to. And the reason that, that I'm talking about this today is because if we're talking, hey, God speaks through his word. All right, cool beans. But like, not everyone agrees with that. And so we, we live in a generation specifically where, where there's a value on personal experience as the highest authority, right? There's the autonomy of self that says that what I feel and what I think, that's the highest authority. And so if it feels right, it must be right. And so then we really struggle with objective truth you guys, you guys are familiar with that, right? I mean, it's everywhere. It's saturating your social media feeds. It's saturating your relationships. I mean, it's everywhere we, we live, work, and play. And so because of the struggle with objective reality and objective truth and objective facts, like this tension of if I feel it, it must be true, really has a hard time with looking at the scriptures and saying, oh yeah, but that's authoritative too. But the interesting thing, and we're gonna look at it in this series, is that if we're following Jesus, Jesus actually assumes that the source of objective truth and reality is, is found in the scriptures. Not alone in the scriptures. Not, not, not only that God speaks there, but Jesus seems to trust the Bible. And because we trust him, we can do the same. And we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna break it down. I just don't have time for it today. So if you're interested, lean into the series coming up. Now, as we talk about hearing God, if you're underwhelmed by me telling you you should read the Bible, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but not really, right? Like, that's the invitation for you, like, oh man, right when we thought we're gonna like figure out how to hear from God, the dude just tells us to read the Bible again. Listen, that, that's not a mistake because Jesus puts emphasis on us being able to rely on the Bible. So when we're wrestling with, hey, what's the truth? What's the real truth? How do we know? As followers of Jesus, we have an answer for that. And it's found in the scriptures. But there's a way better answer for than just because Drake said so from the platform. So lean in for the next six weeks as we walk through the series, and you'll, have, you'll be way better equipped to wrestle with it yourself, which is the goal, to know why for yourself you can trust Jesus and the scriptures. Now, following Jesus, part of it is anchored in the scriptures that Jesus over and over again points us back to following him and his words, and there's, there's a ton of that in the scriptures. But one of the things you need to know as we talk about hearing God's voice in just a second outside of the scriptures is that nothing God, will, that nothing 
God will say to you will contradict scripture. That's something important that we can hang our hats on. So there's kind of a, a space of objective truth as followers of Jesus that we lean into. And so some of you are in the room, you're like, yeah, but the Bible's tough, and yeah, but this, and yeah, but that, and, and, you gotta, and that's great. Take all your yeah buts and bring them to the next six weeks because there's plenty of room for that. We're not afraid of hard questions. We're not running from any of that. And we think there's really good confidence in following Jesus and trusting the scriptures. Now, the Bible is tough, and I heard it said this week that George Gallup said that the Bible is the best-selling book in the world and also the least read. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of funny um, and true. And so we read the scriptures um, with our head and our heart, but one of the challenges, like, if you're wanting to hear the voice of God is, is that we don't read the scriptures. And, and it's not a shame. It's not a, like, dude, it's, it's, it's not any of that. It's just an invitation. If you want to know the voice of God, one of the very easy ways that you can come to understand God's will and his purposes and his agenda for your life is to read the scriptures. You're like, yeah, but it's hard. Listen, that's why we have tools to help you. Don't start in Genesis. It's a, it's a hard start. Start in John. The scripture's in the lobby for you. We have a soap tool that literally helps you take it, not just to read it for your, with your head, but with your heart, which is really, really important. But not just to read it with your heart absent of your head, because that's how you make the Bible say things that it never said. And so as we get into this conversation, I want you to understand, I, I, my kids are seven and five. And uh, we have this huge, like, dog park slash I kind of commandeered it and made it this huge jungle gym playground thing for my kids, build a treehouse, didn't ask my HOA, all that stuff. So it's super cool, right next to our house, it's massive. I can't really see my kids from, from like my, my garage where I'm normally working or whatever. And so seven and five, I'm like, yeah, you can go play. And yesterday they're outside with a friend, they're playing, and there's a zip, uh, not a zip line, we need a zip line, it's not there yet. There's a slack line with all kinds of craziness, and they can climb this tree, and they can, you know, look for bugs and flip over, they can do whatever, it's huge, it's just probably as big as this room. And so it's, it's down, you know, next to my house, and I can't really see down there. I'm like, yeah, you guys go play, you know the rules. And so for my kids, they know, one, they know my voice, they know, they know dad, like if, I, if I'm around the corner and I, and I say their name, they know my voice, right, they're familiar with that, but they also are familiar with kind of our house rules, dad's will for their life, if you will, right, they, they know that there are rules like, yo, you're in the will of your father if you're staying down there doing whatever, but it's outside of my will for you to go play in the street. You guys tracking with me? Does that make me a bad dad? No, good job. That was well done. That was a test for those of you considering parenting, right? No, no. That people are flying down our street of a main road. No, it's not safe for them. So they, so they know the boundaries. So here's the cool thing. Listen, some of you think you're like trying to figure out God's plan for your life, God's will for your life. And you're like, what do you want me to do? And God is not dictate. God, God's not a dictator. It's relationship. You're a unique, autonomous person that He created to walk in relationship to partner with Him on this planet. And so part of it is God does have a will for your life, but He also wants you to be formed into the unique person that he created you to be. So think, of, you ever seen a helicopter parent, you know what I'm talking about? Just like, you know, and, and they're doing everything for their kids. Don't do this, don't do that, you pick up that. You know, and it's just, they're like constantly smothering their kids and taking away their free will. Now I get it when they're like nine months old and learning how to walk, right? And you're like doing that so that they don't bump their head on a table. That's different. But when they're nine years old, it's a little different when you're constantly hovering and dictating how they play with their friends and, and which bug they pick up or don't pick up or what they put in their mouth or don't put in their mouth. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, they got to figure it out on their own, right? And so part of my kids growing and them being in my will is they're down there with their friends playing, and I'm listening, and I'm watching, and they're semi-aware of that, and they know the house rules. But they know things like dad really cares that you're kind to one another, and they're five and seven, and so they 
aren't always kind to one another. And then you add a third friend into the mix who, who messes up the normal routines, and now there's some extra unkindness, right? And so I'm listening, and they know the rules. They know that dad wants them to have fun, to do whatever they want down there, don't kill anybody, have a good time. You know what I mean? Like general rules to be within my will. But they also know that to be mean to one another or to leave someone else out and go do your own thing, that's stuff that's not okay in our house. And so dad's there, and he's listening, and they're doing a really good job of, be of being autonomous and figuring it out and playing. And I'm watching them become their own persons, right? I'm trying to help them process their own integrity and take everything that they're learning and put it into practice. But guess what? Dad is also there to watch, and I hear that little argument. Like, and and I'm see if they can work it out. But then when it doesn't, you know what? Hey, hey, come here. Grayson walks over. Hey, are we being kind? Well, you know, this and that. You know, you've got all the reasons why we're not exactly being kind. And I'm like, aha, uh -huh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, so what could we do differently? And then I coach him through the scenario. And he knows. He, he knows what has happened is not within dad's will. And I step in to help him get back in line. And you know what? My will for him is good for him and the other people that he's playing with, right? Yeah, you guys tracking with me? And so when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to hearing God's voice, God's not trying to dictate your entire day. Here's what I want to have, you know, breakfast, bagel, cream cheese. There's got to be poppy seeds on it, though. But if not, no, we're not doing it, okay? Sunny side up eggs, you can't scramble it, okay? And then when you go to work, a cup of coffee, black. You, you don't need any more creamers today, all right? And then in this meeting, right, and, and, and all day, like some, some people treat the voice of God like that. Like he, he's going to dictate every single thing that you do. And, and I heard it said that like the primary emoji of heaven uh, to some of our prayers is just that like this one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God, pepperoni or cheese pizza? Like, dog, like, that's all in my will. You're okay. Both of those are excellent choices, right? So as you're trying to figure it out, you're like, oh, God, what's God's will for my life? And he's giving you the scriptures as a foundation to understand, cool, here's all the things you get to enjoy. Watch out for the road over here. Hey, hey, please engage in relationships, but hey, pay attention to how you're treating people. And hey, Life is going to be hard, but watch what's happening to your heart in the process, right? You can figure all of that out through God's voice in the scriptures. Now, sometimes as we get into the Bible, it can seem really formal, like a book, but, but you'll learn as you get into it and you put the practice into it, it becomes massively relational really quick. That God will take the general principles in the scriptures and apply them very directly to your life. So again, that SOAPS tool, S-O-A-P-S, it's an acronym, it's in the lobby for you, you can take it home, is to help you read the scriptures and then apply it to your life, to read it with your head and your heart. Now as the band comes, I'm giving you the God's voice place from scripture because it's, it's kind of black and white in some ways. But again, the series coming up is to help you trust the scriptures. I'm just letting you know that God's general will is pretty much available to you. The scripture's not completely clear all the time, but there's quite a few things that are very clear. So if you want to know God's will for your life, check out the scriptures, and God will start to speak. And listen, if you, if you need help, because the Bible can be hard, pick up a study Bible, like the NIV and the ESV study Bibles. They give you like, like cliff notes to scenarios so you know what the heck Jesus is talking about when he says a parable or what town he went into. And it's, it's not that hard to read it with your head and your heart. But some of you, listen, I don't want you to get stuck. Some of us are so conditioned to only read the Bible with our heads and we're analytical and so we read it for information but not transformation. And Jesus doesn't want it to stop there. 
This is relationship. It's not just information to know about God. It's to know God. And, and he's given us the scriptures as a place to know his voice and to hear from him. And so part of the soap tool is I can write down what God is talking to me about. But let me give you the last piece, and that's God's whisper. You ever had a moment, and again, God's whispers won't contradict his word, the, his written word, the scriptures. We'll, we'll talk about all that. But you ever had a moment when you're like, you have a thought or so, you know, something comes to mind or whatever, and you're like, is that me? Or is that last night's tacos, right? Like, is, is that God talking or the chips and queso from, you know, Tiago last night. Like, what's going on here? You ever had a moment when you're like, is that me or God? And again, you th think about it. Um, God tells us to go plant a church. And, and I'm glad we, are, are you glad we listened to that? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't clap for me. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just right, like, isn't it cool that when someone listens to the voice of God, sometimes it can birth stuff like this. And I'm grateful for that. I'm so glad. Can I tell you that it was one of the scariest things we've ever done in our entire lives? And I, can I tell you that it's not the last thing that God keeps stretching me in? I heard, I heard someone say that, that I don't want to live off of a past word from God. I want to live off the last word from God. It wasn't my job to listen to God in 2016 and just block him out after that. And so then the other day, he tells me to do something scary, to go talk to my friend Dorian at the gym and invite him to dinner and hear about his faith journey, right? That's just as scary. <laughs> I was moving across the country and starting a new church. We had a prayer night um, a couple months ago. And it's mainly a worship-focused space, and we're just praying, and just our church is gathered for a time of prayer and worship. And I'm standing in the back, and I'm praying, and I feel like the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to go pray over them. And there's this new couple in our church. I barely know them. In fact, I think I couldn't even remember their names at this point. It's like one of those fresh, like, ah, oh, what is it again? And, and again, I'm praying over the room, and over and over again, this thing comes to my mind. Go pray for them. Go pray for them. And I'm like, that is so weird. Everybody's quiet, chilling, doing whatever. And then finally, I'm like, I, all right, cool. 55% sure God's ever told me anything, so let's go for it. And I go and I tap them on the shoulder, freak them out a little bit because they're, you know, focused in prayer. And they're like, ah, you know. And I'm like, hey, I was just praying in the back, and I, and I felt like I should come ask if I could pray for anything over you. Is there anything going on that I can pray for? And they look at each other, and they look at me, and tears fill their eyes. And they say, you want to tell them or you want me to? And they begin to share something deeply personal and deeply um, heavy that I would have never known. And probably given our relationship, I, would have, I wouldn't have known for quite a while because it's not something you just share with everybody in the room, right? But they felt very clearly in that moment that God had given them a space, that God saw the suffering that they were going through and invited me to come pray for them. And so they shared something very deep. We prayed for them. And what's really cool is I got a text this week of some of the ways that God is answering that prayer, and it's quite amazing. And I look at that, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I listened to God in that moment. And I'm sure they would tell you the same thing. Or I'm at the gym, and God says, go talk to that guy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That is so weird. But fine. And then this week, I'm hanging out with my friend Dorian at the Rayback, and we're getting drinks, and I get to hear spiritual journey, all because God told me to go and talk to that guy. I'm so glad I did. Over and over again, there's moments. Is this me or is this God? So, this is what Paul would call in 1 Corinthians 14, prophecy. Don't get weirded out by that word. Again, you can go back and look, listen to the podcast. Very simply, prophecy is, is receiving a word from God either for yourself or for someone else. It can come to you in a, a picture. It can come to, as a verse. It can come uh, uh, as, as a name. It can come in all, all kinds of ways. 
God speaks to you directly based on who who he knows that you are, which is kind of cool. But to give you the space, hey, is God speaking to me about something either that I need to do with this or that I need to share with somebody? One of my favorite favorite questions around with the whispers of God is, God, do you have anything that you want to say to me? Or do you have anything you want to say through me? Is there something you want me to do with it? So let me give you the ABCs real fast, okay? When it comes to a word from God, from the whispers of God, specifically around prophecy, Paul teaches that we should eagerly desire this because it builds others up, which is great. To, to hear the voice of God and be used by God to encourage someone else. He says it's used for the purpose of encouragement. But you use the ABCs to check. Is this from God or is this queso and, and uh, tacos last night, right? Like, how do I know? ABCs, number one, you ask, is it affirming? Is it encouraging? Is it going to build them up? It's a pretty good chance. Listen, God doesn't always speak to us through affirmations and encouragement, right? Sometimes God might give you something quite heavy, and so it's not off the table at all, but you need to use a ton of discernment and be slow to share something like that, right? But you ask the question when, you, when, when God speaks to you about something, whether it's for you or for someone else, like, what's the worst, worst that can happen? Like, if the answer is a lot, you need to slow down. <laughs> you guys tracking with me? Like, pay attention to it. But if, like, you're sitting in the room today and you get this, you know, you're like, oh, man. I just get this feeling that God wants to say that he loves someone today. <laughs> that's a pretty good chance that's a safe one, guys, right? Like, that, that one's pretty, probably going to be okay to share that. You guys tracking with me? So the ABCs, number one, is it affirming? Number two, is it biblical? We talked about it. God's not, not going to give you a word that's contradictory to Scripture. So again, you're running through, through the process before you ever share anything. And number three, is it like Christ? Does it look like Jesus? And again, not, not you got to be careful. Not what you think Jesus is like, like the Jesus of the scriptures, okay? So not your version of Jesus. Not, not what would Jesus do if he was me? What would I do if, if I were, if, if, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Yeah, what would Jesus do if he were me is the right question. Sometimes I'm asking, hey, Jesus, like here's what I would do. Here's my opinion. So, so ABCs, is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it like Jesus? Is it Christ-like? And here's the safe language, Okay. I don't think I've ever gone to anybody and said, hey, God told me to tell you. That's dangerous for a lot of reasons. But many times, say, hey, I felt like I should pray for you. Anything going on? Or, hey, um, this came to mind. Does that mean anything to you? Things like that. So the ABCs. You guys tracking with me? God speaks through his word and through whispers. I want you to be open to both. I want you to have a proper foundation getting into the scriptures, but I also want you to be open to God speaking to you, both now, today, right now, and through you. This is part of how the church is built up. All right, so next steps today. Number one, let's become people of prayer through praying. So if you have not already, sign up for the prayer room. Join us in this practice. Let's move heaven to earth. Let's come together in asking prayer. If you've not signed up, please give it a shot. If you have signed up, I'd encourage you, sign up for a second slot. Promise you, you won't regret it. Number two, let's learn God's voice by getting into the scriptures daily. Again, best-selling book on the planet, least read book. And it's okay. 
Just like prayer, start where you are. I'd encourage you with the scripture, start where you are. There are Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. There's little journals, blank journals for you there. There's also little John Gospels out in the lobby, like literally just like the story of Jesus kind of taken out of the Bible and in one little book is there for you. Pick that up. If you've never read the Bible, pick up John and read a chapter a day and take the soap tool and just process it. And, and, and you'll find that God has something to say that God is speaking. And lastly, listen for God's whisper using the ABCs. I'd encourage you that God has a lot more to say to us and through us than we allow him to. And I think while Paul says, hey, eagerly desire this gift because it builds the church up, I think some of us because of past experiences or intimidation or whatever it is, a little weird, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. But man, like, think of what goes undone. Think of who goes unencouraged and and, and not built up when you and I hold back. So let's not just know God with our minds, let's know him with our hearts and let's build a family and let's live on mission with him together. This isn't just for this room, it's also for your neighbors, your friends far from God, your family, your coworkers. Let's listen and see what God has to say this week. Now, we're gonna end our time with a prayer by Ted Loder. I thought it appropriate. I started the series with a prayer by Ted Loder. He kind of writes prayers in in a poetic fashion and they're just beautiful. Sometimes I struggle to put words together in prayer And I feel like these really help me process what's going on. So I'm just going to read this prayer over you, and then we're going to worship together, okay? And as we begin to respond and worship, you can do a couple of different things. Um, But right now, I just want you to sit. You can can close your eyes and let me read these words over you. You can pray them in your mind as I read them. I'm just going to read them slowly on the screen. And just let this be a prayer that we pray together uh, um, as we move into uh, the rest of our time today. So here's Ted Loder's prayer, and it's going to be ours today. Oh, God. I am so fragile. My dreams get broken. My relationships get broken. My heart gets broken. My body gets broken. What can I believe except that you will not despise a broken heart? And that old and broken people shall yet dream dreams. And that the lame shall leap for joy. The blind see. The deaf hear. What can I believe except what Jesus taught? That only, hold on one second, guys. You guys can leave that there for a sec. Um, yeah, I threw him off because I said, here's what you're going to do. You guys just chill for a minute. <laughs> Thanks, guys. What can I believe except what Jesus taught? That only what is first broken, like bread, can be shared. That only what is broken is open to your entry, that old wineskins must be ripped open and replaced if the wine of new life is to expand. He goes on. So, I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief that I may have courage to keep trying when I'm tired and to keep wanting passionately when I am found wanting. Oh God, I am so frail. My life spins like a top bounced about by the clumsy hands of demands beyond my doing, fanned by furies at a pace but half a step from hysteria, so much to do, my my days so few and fast spent, and I mostly unable to recall what I'm rushing after. What can I believe except that beyond the limits of my little prayers and careful creeds, I am not meant for dust and darkness, but for dancing life and silver starlight. He goes on. Help my unbelief that I might have courage to dare to love the enemies I have the integrity to make. 
to care for little else save my brothers and sisters of the human family, to take time to be truly with them, take time to see, take time to speak, take time to learn with them before time takes us, and to fear failure and death less than the faithfulness of not embracing love's risks. And he goes on, God, I am so frantic. Somehow I've lost my gentleness in a flood of ambition, lost my sense of wonder in a maze of videos and computers, lost my integrity in a shuffle of commercial disguises, lost my gratitude in a swarm of criticisms and complaints, lost my innocence in a sea of betrayals and compromises. What can I believe except that the touch of your mercy will ease the anguish of my memory? that the tug of your spirit will empower me to help carry now the burdens I have loaded on the lives of others, that the example of Jesus will inspire me to find again my humanity. So I believe, Lord, help my unbelief that I might have courage to cut free from what I have been and gamble on what could be and on what you might laughingly do with trembling me for your incredible world. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this space. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us. Thank you for the scriptures that provide a source of grounding and authority. Thank you that you don't dictate every move of our life, but you invite us to become people of love made in your image, uniquely made our true selves. Each person in this room with purpose and plans that you've created us for, not another one on the planet, never will be, never was. God, to know you and be known by you and to make your love known in this world. Help us to be honest with you where we are. Help us not to be discouraged of what's undone, but rather to take you at your word. To take next steps in trusting you by picking up the scriptures and by learning to pray and by getting into community and becoming more like you. Jesus, I pray for my friends in the room that you speak to them this morning clearly. Maybe it's a word for them, maybe it's a word through them, something you want to say to us or through us. Maybe you've already said it. We just need to write it down, we need to take it to heart, and we need to do it. May we be people that learn to hear your voice, both, both through the written word and the whispers, and to follow you, to trust you, and in love respond. I pray for any of my friends in the room who are not followers of Jesus just yet. They're wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus and to trust in you to save and set free and give us new life. Today, I pray that your love will be made known to them both the truth of it in their head, but also the reality of it in their heart, the invitation to receive forgiveness and new life, to be adopted into the family of God and to start a relationship with you fresh and new. But that is simply a request away to receive the gift that you have fully paid to give. So Jesus says we continue to worship and to respond to be on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.